you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. What up, everybody? I feel like shit. Welcome to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is all around disgusting uh, outside. It is disgusting outside. I have had uh, the sinus infection of my life for the past couple of days. This is the first day I've been able to get out of bed before noon. I'm sure you can tell that I sound horrible. It's funny because I remembered this morning that I was sick when we started season one. I had a cold. Now I have a sinus infection. So by season six, I will have died of consumption. <laughs> uh, well, all right. So get your applications in now. <laughs> if you would like to go host. <laughs> Someone is gonna have to replace me. Things are not going well. I I'm really amazed that I've not fallen victim to anything. Hold on, I'm just gonna knock. Knock on wood. Yeah. Oh, um, of like my you haven't gotten sick because of me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, of you, and then like everybody at work is also sick. Like it's oh. January. It's true. I also was traveling, so that's like the numero uno way to get sick. Spain was great, by the way, everybody. It was so warm, and it was like 60 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit, and me and my friend who I was traveling with were walking around without jackets, and every like all of the people in Barcelona were like, it's so cold to put a coat on. And we were like, uh, n- no. Europeans are weak. That I know we have European <laughs> listeners. We do not think that's true. No, but you guys don't uh, acclimate to colder temperatures in the same way that uh, Their temperatures we... don't change as much as ours do. That's true. Unless you're, like, the people who live in, like, the Nordic countries. But I'm thinking about, like, when I went to, when I studied abroad in London and I got off the plane in January and it was, like, 40 degrees outside and everyone had their puffy coats on and I was just like, what? Yeah. I don't put my puffy coat on unless it's, like, It's got to be below 20 20 for me to wear my parka. Yeah. But, again, like, we experience that every winter. We are hardy northern stock. We are. And I mean, also like the people in Californians are like, in California are like, it's cold and it's like 65 degrees. <laughs> and you're like, no, it's no. not. Oh, no. Sweater. My issue is not with their uh, inability to acclimate to climate. It's that nobody in Europe drinks any water. We've talked about this extensively <laughs> because uh, this is something we've noticed that nobody. In all of my travels, not. it's because you don't get water at restaurants like you do in America. And there's very few like fountains. There's no water fountains. And the water bottles you can buy are either, like, a liter and a half or, like, those mini teeny tiny water bottles you get at Little League soccer games. <laughs> like, those are your options. I hate those water bottles so much. Who are I, they for? They're for very small children, i.e. one of, like, my student used to bring in those every day. And mm-hmm. I was just like, get him a reusable small water bottle, like one of those tiny Nalgene's for children. Like, yeah. Doesn't make any no. sense. America sucks, but we really went off with the free water and also the public restrooms. <laughs> True. Yeah. Anyway. That um... said, the food I was eating in Spain, much better than anything I'm finding here. That's a lie. Chicago went off with the Mexican food. But again, not American, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think we really do hold, like, in terms of uh, British food being terrible and American food being terrible, we're like an inch above. Well, no, because I think American, like, like gastronomy has become a lot better is, like, now that we have a lot more pride in our food, and there's, like, so many more places you can get, like, haute cuisine that is based in American traditional food, um, and we don't eat mushy peas, so I think we are far and above the British. <laughs> you make a good point. <laughs> like, American food is, like, glazed carrots, and British food is, like, a heap of, like, brown on a plate. <laughs> So it should be uh, noted that we do love uh, Europe. Kind we of love in general. Europe. We love yeah. to travel and we love to meet new people. But oh my God, the food in, in, Amer- in, in Britain. Britain. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah. Everywhere else in Britain, I mean, everywhere else in Britain, everywhere else in in, in Europe, you're going to be finding. If you, even if you don't like the cuisine, it's going to be interesting. Britain's like, would you like some potatoes? And it's like, no. <laughs> no, but I will go to the Indian restaurant down the street. Yeah. Uh, which will be much better. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the Teen Wolf Rio of Podcast, a podcast we were, I don't know, do we ever talk about Teen Wolf? I don't know. We've been rambling about food in Europe for quite some time. Well, it's on the mind. It's keeping me distracted from my deathbed. True. But uh, we're firmly stuck in Southern northern california in teen wolf which is actually georgia so that's the yeah it's cold in teen wolf you're right yep um 
it, but it's like, uh, it's always just like passively misty there. Like, I feel like I would hate the weather in season one and two Beacon Hills because it's always just the same version of gross. Yep. I say as I'm watching it kind of snow slush outside here, so. I work uh, downtown at the art museum, uh, so in the loop, and yesterday you could not tell that you were in downtown Chicago because all of these like 50 story office buildings just disappeared into the fog. Yes. Ah, uh, our first <laughs> siren of the episode. <laughs> it was coming eventually. It really was. Did we have one last time? I can't remember. I don't know. And I feel like we made a big deal about how you're going to be able to hear the sirens clearer. And then I don't think one ever came. It's odd that we're recording in the middle of the day and hearing a siren. Yes, because we usually record in the evening time. Yeah, which is, you know, when sirens are abundant. Because people... That's when people make mistakes. <laughs> be getting into shenanigans. Yeah. There it goes. There she goes. There she goes again. <laughs> oh my god, it's lasting forever. <laughs> that, okay, that's the one, like halfway decent thing about the fact that we live so close to a fire station is that the siren will like it'll happen but then it'll be over and this what is happening (laughs) there's like a four alarm going on somewhere i I think there may be a serious emergency and we should probably not be laughing no but uh, take a moment to plug the book american fire if anyone's interested in um arson and like rural virginia it's a great book it's phenomenal it's really good but uh firefighters lives are hard yeah. They are really hard. There's a bunch of really sad stories about, like, the life of, like, firefighters in Detroit because it's so, like, the fire department is, like, so underfunded and it's Detroit, so there are so many fires. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, back to Teen Wolf. Uh, we watched episode two of season two this week. It is called... Shapeshifted. Shapeshifted. I th- yeah. knew it was something along those lines, but didn't want to get it wrong. Um, it was directed by none other than Russell Mulcahy. Yes, and written by Andy Cochran. Um, and is so he a new writer? Is he old? The name did not sound familiar to no, me. No, it didn't sound familiar to me And either. it is a man. It's not like a woman who goes by Andy. Damn. So, all the men. I, whatever, I'm Teen not going to justify that. <laughs> if Teen Wolf weren't such a girl show, it would be a boy show. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Russell Mulcahy. Every ever since I like have seen Highlander and also read his IMDb page about like his trademark and his signature, it's very easy to tell even without looking it up who directed a specific episode because if it is him, you'll be like, ah, yes, I knew it. The water, the water, the quickening. <laughs> Get that that bonus ep is coming in twenty twenty. The, the Highlander bonus episode. Yes. We've actually been thinking a lot about the bonus episodes, or I have about what we're gonna do. We have some fun ones planned for February. Yes. Um, uh, but that's not, we gotta no. get back on topic. Okay, so, um, before we get in, we'll do the recap. Yes. And, unfortunately, I have to go first. You sure do. I went first last time. Mm-hmm. Both of us did such a bad job last time, <laughs> we're hoping we can do better now. Yeah. Um, so Julia's gonna have one minute to try to sum up this episode of Teen Wolf, and then I'll have one minute to try to sum up this episode of Teen Wolf, and neither of us will make it through, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> Are right. you ready? I sure am. One, two, three. Okay, so uh, lights up in Isaac's house. Um, he's recounting his grades to his dad and uh, eventually gets to tell him that his counter grade is a D and so his dad starts uh, throwing things around and he shatters um, a glass and Isaac's cheeks gets cut and miraculously it heals. So then uh, Isaac runs away because he must be a werewolf. I'm not off to a good start here. Um, and his dad follows him, gets eaten by something. We're not sure what it is, but it's probably not Isaac. Um, then the next day, Allison and Scott have like a little date. Then uh, lacrosse team tryouts. Scott's like, oh my God, there's another werewolf. Then uh, he goes around sniffing all of the people uh, during lacrosse practice um, and then finds out that it is Isaac. And then the sheriff comes to uh, investigate Isaac. Uh, and then uh, Scott and Styles. <laughs> um, <laughs> They go to the principal's office to try and figure out what's going on. Um, Isaac gets taken into Dude, custody. Dude, that was a minute. I, oh my god, I... This is the problem, because we watched it last night instead of, like, immediately before we started recording, which is what we usually do. Um, yeah, we also had a, like, 40-minute discussion about Forrest Gump in the middle of watching this episode. <laughs> we had to pause several times, because, 
like with you being sick and having been gone, I feel like there's so much that we had needed to talk about. And then we were like, oh, Teen Wolf episode is the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Well, it's because normally when we're watching TV together, it's usually something we've seen before. So we can just talk over it. And yes, we have seen this before, but like... We do have to give it a little bit more attention. Yeah. I feel like I do remember the rough idea of this episode. No, I was remembering it as I was as it was happening. Mm-hmm. And literally as you were talking, I was like, maybe maybe less happened in this episode than in the first one, but as soon as I thought that no No, no ma'am. <laughs> no ma'am. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? You know what? To, to... No. But <laughs> Yeah. Whenever. <laughs> I, I love your confidence. Okay, mm-hmm. ready? Three, two, one. So Isaac is being abused by his dad and he gets a cut on his face and then it heals miraculously. So his dad is like, what the F? And then Isaac runs away because why would you not? And his dad tries to follow him in the car and it's raining. And then his dad gets attacked by something and it's not Isaac. And Isaac runs to Derek and is like, uh, my dad's dead, but it wasn't me who killed him. So WTF. And then Scott and Allison are like kind of on a date. And then it's the next day and it's lacrosse practice tryouts. Not sure. And Scott can smell another werewolf in the, in the locker room. So he like beats up all of his teammates <laughs> to try to figure out who it is. Figured out it's Isaac. Isaac tells him not to tell anybody, but then gets taken into custody because his dad is dead. And um, then uh, the sheriff is interviewing all of these people uh, because he knows that he's he knows that Jackson he knows that Jackson lives across from the Leahys. And then Jackson is like uh, Isaac's dad has been hitting him for years. And then sheriff is like you're an asshole for not telling anybody. And then Scott and uh, Derek go to the police station because they're gonna go or they go to Isaac's house to so Derek can tell him what was wrong with Isaac. And then um, wow, well done. Okay, well, to fill in the gaps of the last, Mm -hmm. you know, 30 minutes of a 45-minute episode, (laughs) uh, the Argents find out that there's another werewolf. They know it's Isaac, and they send someone to kill him. Uh, Allison uh, maims that guy, but doesn't do a good enough job, so he still shows up at the police station. Isaac breaks loose because Stiles pulls the fire alarm. Um, Isaac kills that guy who came to kill him, or at least attacks him, and then Derek stops him from attacking Stiles, and in the meantime... Scott and Allison are investigating the Leahy house and Allison has to chain him up in the basement where in the fridge where Isaac's dad used to lock him, which is just, oh my God, so sad. Michigan accent. And um, uh, in while he's chained up, the thing that killed Isaac's dad shows up and once he sees Scott, he runs away. Oh, and Jackson is trying to figure out if he turns out into a werewolf from that creepy dude Matt's camera um, and then no dice yes creepy dude matt makes a second appearance i just wish that he had been a more charming b less creepy um initially and c better looking yeah we just know that he's gross the minute we meet him and we're like ugh. right yeah well you forgive pretty people so much more easily than you do people who are not as pretty. well not even that he needs to be prettier it's just that there's nothing that makes me understand why allison trusts him or why jackson trusts him initially or why scott trusts like he's such an unsavory person yes that i'm like why would anybody buy into that garbage well exactly that's why um on riverdale on riverdale this is yeah. I, this is my first riverdale drop of this season so we're two episodes in so yep. okay anyway um that said i have not referenced <laughs> what's your number until just now <laughs> Um, but like, there's a cult, and I don't want to get into explaining what all that's about. But Chad the, Michael Murray, yeah the, yeah, the cult leader is Chad Michael Murray, and you're like, oh, I understand, I get it, because it's Chad Michael Murray, and he's so pretty, and he hasn't gotten any less pretty, and he's very like he's suave because I'm rewatching Gilmore Girls, and he um is plays like a bad boy in the private school, and I remember, yeah, and you're like, oh god, I hate this guy, but there's something very like raw about him and you're like I also kind of love you it's funny because Chad Michael Murray I feel like initially in his career was like the boy next door like nice football player dude Mm -hmm. even on One Tree Hill and then later just became like the asshole of network television (laughs) like he's also the dirtbag in Agent Carter and like all these other shows yeah but you know what he's the best in Cinderella Story yes obviously (laughs) I think about that movie so So I was thinking about it today I was like oh Hilary Duff. It's like the only teen movie that I can think of that literally has the line, no dad, I'm giving up your Your dream. dream. Uh, Stick It does a good job of making fun of that line. (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, so Matt, not that charming. Not not charming. Um, But we're going to get into that because Mm -hmm. this week we're discussing this episode through the theme of power. 
who has it, who doesn't, who wants it. Um, and it's actually very specifically commented on by Derek about the kind of people who want power. power. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who would you like to start talking about? Um, you know, it's funny because I don't think he's a giant part of this episode, but let's dig into Derek first. Mm. <clears throat> yes, we were... I know you're excited to talk about Derek. <laughs> no, I almost... We mentioned <laughs> Derek and Julia looks like a deer in headlights. She's like, yes, please, let's talk about him. <laughs> Mostly I was just choking on my spit, but okay. yes. Um, so we were talking... Whatever, whatever helps. <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday, um, about how scumbaggy Derek is in this season because um, he just goes around turning teenagers into werewolves and Scott is furious um, when he finds out that this is what Derek is doing and that he's gone after Isaac because he's putting Isaac in danger. Um, except that, I don't know, is Isaac in danger? He's like six foot two and, you know, a newly born werewolf. Is it the same thing like when you're a vampire, you just have like insane strength? When you're first bitten. Uh, Twilight. Well, they say that you're stronger in a pack, so he's in a pack. And I think that you probably go into it with a certain level of strength and it's multiplied by whatever werewolf Mm -hmm. multiplies it by. Yeah. Well, the thing, so the thing about Derek, um, it's not a great idea to be turning teenagers into werewolves. Um, because, you know, as we've discussed, Scott's whole life and priorities and responsibilities have changed because he has uh, gone through this like supernatural puberty um, that he didn't necessarily want. Um, but Derek was born a werewolf. I don't think that he totally understands. Like, I mean, he gets okay. There are hunters, but like he might not totally understand the full emotional ramifications of going through this kind of change, and so he might not see what he's doing as evil as we perceive it to be. I definitely think that's a diplomatic way of looking at it and should be considered. But I also think there is another level of Derek just came into an immense amount of power and feels very good about it and knows that the way to get stronger in that newfound power as an alpha is to have a pack. And if he sees people who would be more willing to say yes to being in his pack, he's going to go after them than, you know, people who would be who would have who have other options whereas Isaac doesn't really have other options. I don't disagree. I think that he's incredibly manipulative, but I also think that Derek has a moral code and a moral center. Um, he's not very good at acting upon it. Um, this season it's a uh, it's very I would call it center right. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, but he um he bites Isaac, mm-hmm. which gives Isaac power um, over his dad, except that he doesn't actually get to use it. No. And also, like, it just in considering, like, the ramifications of abuse, I don't actually know if he would. Well, exactly. Because later on in the episode when Derek comes in um, to the police station and Isaac is about to, like, rip that man's throat out and um, Derek does his whole, like, alpha glow roar thing... And Isaac is just like cowering in the corner exactly the way that he is at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not saying that Derek is abusing Isaac, but it is kind of a transfer of like him being under the power of one person to him being under the power of another person. Yeah. Despite now having power of his own. Yeah. And I do think that there is like in just in considering Derek knowing who he's going after I think he did know that Isaac could maybe be more submissive to him than, let's say, like, Erica, who we know he later has a harder time, like, controlling within his pack. Yes. Um, And it's funny because you even see Isaac switching his allegiance in season three, where, like, there's a scene where Scott, he's beating up one of the Carver twins. I don't know which one. (laughs) (laughs) They're indistinguishable. They are really, like, as an identical twin, I understand that I should be better at being able to tell them apart, but your girl just can't. (laughs) They're the same, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's a scene where Scott similarly yells at him, and Isaac doesn't necessarily cower, but he is immediately, like, taken out of his fervor Mm -hmm. um, in, like, I don't want to say submission, but, like, in kind of respect to his alpha. Yeah. Yeah. But I, Derek is an interesting one because Derek is also now using uh, manipulation over Scott. And and Derek has manipulated towards Scott in the first season, but he does also does like manipulate Scott in a way to make him help Isaac. Like Scott knows what he's doing and Derek still has the upper hand. Like when he get, tells him to get in the Batmobile. 
Derek's car is the Batmobile, really essentially. Um, Funny, because he's actually Superman. <laughs> um, yeah, we kind of get a little bit of a flavor of the relationship between Derek and Scott in this episode, um, which is very fractured in season two, but it's kind of like the get in loser, we're going shopping moment. Of kind Teen of. Wolf. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I have to say about Derek. Um, I mean, he's in this very strange position of having all of this power because he's the alpha. There's no mystery to figure out he's like the head honcho in Werewolf Town, but he does have to consider the Argents. And so that's like his main motivation is to gain more power to stay in power because power corrupts. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so I know that we hate talking about him, but we do actually have to talk about Gerard. Just briefly. The worst man. Just the worst villain. <laughs> like, truly. We talk about, like, Matt being an uncharming villain. Like, oh, God. Gerard, it, like, he weighs on my viewing experience. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I heard the ice crackling in my glass. I didn't mean to... That's because this podcast now includes ASMR. Be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Be on the lookout for the asthma. Um, yeah, so Gerard in this episode, um, not through uh, his own exertion of power, but uh, his son and his daughter-in-laws becomes the principal at Beacon Hills High School. Oh yeah, they beat somebody up. Again, you can like false... You can, they should have just blackmailed him. <laughs> they should have blackmailed him and been like, leave town again an uncharming villain is that it's immediately like an act of violence or might like i would rather they do like these people have so many resources Mm -hmm. and they just choose the one that will get like they choose the path that will get them arrested the quickest like there's lots of ways you can falsify documents and blah 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 and yet they're like we'll just torture this man just get him fired just get him fired Well, I don't know. He's got a British accent, perhaps. They could have deported him. I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, again, an unsavory villain thing to do. But I also am like, Teen Wolf writers, we get they're evil. We know. We know that they're evil. We don't need to see them electrocute some poor man in the car. Yeah, like a human man. They're going so far out of their code that it's just like, what is... How is no one kind of raising the alarm about this? Why is... Why is, like, Mr. Argent going along with this? Yeah. Chris. I forgot his name for a second. I was wondering why you didn't call him Chris. Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, it is very... you can't make this whole, this is, and this is a writing issue, you can't make this mm-hmm. whole deal about some people, and I know that Gerard's like, we don't follow the code anymore, but uh, I'm pretty sure the code, to begin with, was only about werewolves, not just random, like, school administrator number four. <laughs> like, It's very mafioso this season, and especially because, like, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, Twink number two was not there in like the background it was like these big beefy guys i know who are you know going around to beat up all the werewolves <laughs> and um so it's very like central casting <laughs> they call it central casting and they're like okay unfortunately we have to leave the twinks in season one we need actual bad guys no more twinks um uh, as bad guys as bad guys plenty of, plenty of twinks in people <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. no like we specifically mean that like the background like who, gays who made the bad, like, puns, <laughs> yes. Kate would yell at them. They're no yes. longer in, in, in Teen Wolf. Um, no, because instead, the Urgent family is like, we must control every aspect of um, Beacon Hills. Yeah. Which, also a plot in Riverdale. Two. You have two in this episode. <laughs> I, I'll forgive the first one, because we got to talk about Chad Michael Murray, whomst I love, but... No, but I, I do think... It's interesting because I thought that I would find a lot more parallels as we were going through the first um, season between those two shows and not really. But now that I'm thinking about it, the concept of like adults uh, coming in and kind of insinuating themselves into the fabric of the children's lives to make them infinitely harder uh, is prevalent in both Mm -hmm. shows. Um, Yeah, so Gerard becomes the principal what are his qualifications? None. He wears a really weird shirt with a really weird collar. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, it, the col- it's just like the jacket was from the 90s, but the shirt was from the 70s, and neither of them looked good. The shirt was like from the Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Like, I'm not... It was bad. Yeah. Um, so he's in charge now uh, of the school. And I guess, like, Gerard's main way of taking power throughout the season is to take it in lots of places in different ways to become, like, the ultimate big bad. And then is foiled because Scott poisons him, but we have... We'll get to that when it happens, but we have quibbles with the poisoning. Um, But he does situate... He has a hand in every pot in Beacon Hills as Mm -hmm. this season goes through, which is, like, uh, a very strategic and smart way of taking power. Um... And we just, this is a, the kind of the first instance. Um, and I was confused. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll save it for, co- no, I'm going to ask you right now. Does mm-hmm. he know Scott's a werewolf? When he asks, are you Allison, are you this, the Scott my Allison used to date? Does he know? I'm not 100% sure because he definitely does um, later on because he, you know, stabs Scott in the hospital parking lot. But I'm not sure when he finds out. Because who would have told him? Victoria? I guess. I mean... Definitely not Chris. Yeah. Um, And not Allison. Or maybe Kate told him before she died. We don't... I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. That might be like... It also might come up and we just don't remember it, so... That happens to me a lot with questions that I have about Teen Wolf. I I will ask a question at the beginning of the episode and then someone will answer it two seconds later, a la my question about can you keep Isaac in custody as a minor. (laughs) Which Styles answered for us. Literally two seconds Styles just really sometimes just in the show to give us, like, strange legal information. Yeah, he wasn't um, as heavily important to this episode... As he has been. No, he was just kind of there to make quips at Derek. Because this is kind of a Steric episode, sort of. Uh, This is, I think, the season where it, like, came into, like, phantom prevalence. Well, because of the pool scene, probably. But this is, like, the the crumbles. Yes. Yeah. I think Magic Bullet was probably, like... Maybe. And then now they're just sprinkling it on. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. Styles doesn't Styles doesn't really have a lot of power in this episode, especially because he's in detention for most of it, uh, because Mr. Harris enacts the minute bit of power in his life to keep Styles in detention until God knows how long. You know, I remember once I was in acting, and um, we were just talking about the people. We were just talking about, like, how people, like, use the power that they have, and they will use it to its extent in plays in life or whatever. And my acting professor was like, that is why the TSA agent is such an asshole to you. That is the only power they have in their life that day. And when I think about Mr. Harris keeping Styles in detention till who knows how long, it's dark out by the time he leaves. I'm like, that is the only power Mr. Mr. Harris has to like enact in his life at that moment. And so he exudes it to its full extent. Yeah. It, I mean, and it just makes him so much more... Uh, Dislikable. Hateful. Mr. Harris, I think, is like the best red herring of this show because you always think that like something is going to come of his smarmy little anime eyeglass flashing face. Uh, but no. No. He just gets murdered. He does. And he also doesn't do enough to make me feel like he deserves to be murdered. No, he's just obnoxious. He just got like duped by Kate which is isn't which is definitely his fault but also like there's no way women are talking to him so <laughs> you know and it's one of those things where it's like if he uh just like lightened up a little bit got a different like glasses shape and stopped putting so much gel in his hair probably be a very nice looking man but no like the Teen Wolf costuming department knew what they were doing when creating really this did. asshole teacher yeah. yeah who do you want to talk next about in terms of power hmm I kind of want to talk about um, Jackson. Okay. Because um, he seems to be ignoring what uh, Derek said in the first episode about the fact that his body was in all likelihood rejecting the bite because he's not like bleeding from his nose anymore. Yeah, he is. He throws a big bag of tissues away at the beginning when Isaac is getting hit by his dad. You're right. And he's like, um, freaks. We just and don't like, see it. Ugh. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Jackson, 
You know, it's funny, though, because I think Jackson does have a lot of power. He could easily say something uh, to the sheriff about Isaac and his dad, and he chooses not to. Like, he chooses not to exert that power that would help someone uh, possibly be taken from, like, a terrible situation. And the only reason that he gives is that it's not his problem. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. A real asshole. <laughs> uh, that is an obscene thing to do, to know that somebody is experiencing domestic abuse and be like, mm-hmm. well, not my problem. I think that's... Um, one of the things where like people who have an immense amount of power or like celebrities I'm thinking of who have like this mass amount of influence who don't speak on certain things and who don't exert their influence to make change and then people get mad at them for it. Um, Do you remember like a couple years ago when like uh, there was this kind of herd of female celebrities who were like, I don't consider myself a feminist because I think that word is really strong. And it's like now everybody does because it's in vogue, but they couldn't stand to lose a minute like bit of their fan base at that time. Yeah. Notably like I think Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey said something dumb, but I think that's also part of her character. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but now, and, and then like the way to redeem yourself after having done something like that is to, come out like very publicly about your beliefs Mm -hmm. um you know and so which jackson doesn't do either no never (laughs) jackson is only ever interested in helping himself Mm -hmm. and so even though he does have power that would assist other people it holds absolutely no interest for him because he is only interested in the power that advances his own self-interest yeah i also want to talk a little bit about jackson's like social power and capital that he has outside of his magical abilities he it can just throw a hundred dollars away to mm-hmm. film to to uh, to film himself transforming into the canima. I guess. I mean, obviously, we know later that Matt cuts the video, but yeah, he and Matt even makes a comment. It's like, I know your parents have a hundred dollars, but like Jackson's parents have never not given him anything. He drives a Porsche, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if you remember being in high school, but to have a hundred dollars at any given point was like. I'm so rich. What will I spend it on? What will I spend it on? And the answer was usually pizza. (laughs) I mean, what do I spend $100 now on in my adult life? It's usually pizza, but... (laughs) I don't want to talk about my most recent Target trip, but it involved much monies. Um, Yeah. Jackson could do so much. But he, he, Jackson chooses to keep his power to himself. Mm -hmm. It is not for, and because even Gerard, like, exuding power and like taking claims over power in different places of beacon hills he's doing it for a quote-unquote cause um jackson does not give a shit about anybody (laughs) and even he's mean to lydia again in this episode she like comes up to him and she's like you saved me and he's like cool bye bye we are never ever ever getting back together that's two taylor swift references (laughs) one from you one from me we're even all right um yeah. You know, actually, I was reading this article about how um, the Mormon church has like a billion dollars, like a hundred billion dollars, like socked away and uh, not, and it's not being put towards like any of the charities that they say that they're assisting. Um, and it's just sitting there and people are like, I'm so sorry. What's the point of that? Like you're a, you're a church, you're theoretically a philanthropic organization, um, and the church is like, we're sa- like, we're saving it for a rainy day. And it's like, well, that helps no one. What is the Vatican doing with their money? Paying for bishops' houses. Covering up sex crimes. Yeah. Uh, it's all bad. It's all um, bad. <laughs> or even people like Jeff Bezos. Like, what makes Jeff Bezos evil is the fact that he has money that That he could end world hunger. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't do it. He could end world hunger and still live incredibly comfortably for the rest of his life. Jackson, I think, falls under the same. It's like having when you have power. And I would don't, not equate them, no, but not, I would compare them. No, they're not the same. But it's like yeah. if you are neutral in the face of oppression, you've chosen the side of the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Because and because it doesn't benefit Jackson, he doesn't care at all. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Jackson surrounded by the tissues in the previous episode is how I felt all week. <laughs> Well, and what's interesting, sorry, what's interesting about Jackson and power is that um, he is 
essentially powerless through this whole season because he's being controlled by somebody else. Mm-hmm. He's n- he doesn't have the autonomy to make his own decisions uh, as a Kanima. Yeah. Which is, um, I don't know, not deserved because, I don't know, you don't deserve to be turned into a murderer against your will. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for um, that to be his, his, that just, his yeah. shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think we'll talk about that more as the season goes on. Next, I kind of want to talk a little about Scott and also Alex and Allison by extension. Allison's power is dependent on the other people in this episode because she's playing the double agent. Yes. Um, she really has to pretend that she is not, like, not that she's not smart, but she doesn't have, like, a, a horse in the race, you mm-hmm. know? Um so she's like trying to spy on Gerard and her dad and they're asking all these questions about Lydia. And it's not like Allison doesn't understand the stakes here, but I think she's still trying to figure out what power she does have in this situation as a double agent um, and how to use that to help Scott and her pack, Mm -hmm. her friends. Yeah. Um, And I think she is tied into her relationship to Scott and her relationship to Lydia in a way where she is clearly on their side, Mm -hmm. but is so, you know, terrified of the response of her family, especially kind of knowing now what she knows about Kate, this mysterious grandfather figure coming in and like basically changing the way that her family runs their lives. Like she is in a position where if he wasn't there, she might have a little bit more agency, but all of her actions are being dictated. Um, all of her public actions are being dictated by her family at this point, which yes. removes a lot of power from her. So some of her strength is coming from Scott and like they, you know, mm-hmm. she still is making time to see him and seeing him secretly behind her family's back. Um, but that's kind of the only agency she's willing to exude because everything else is, she can't take much more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think she makes a very uh, daring choice in this episode to go after the man who's going to murder Isaac. That's the intention. Mm-hmm. Um, by taking her bow and arrow, which I don't know how... Bitch, her- we're all going to know it's you if you shoot somebody with a bow and arrow. Who exactly. else in Beacon Hills is a bow and arrow? Or like... I don't know, get different arrows, like, and not take the ones from your house, you know, like you can buy different kinds. Um, but she makes that huge choice. And I think that is like taking agency for herself and giving herself the power to make the decision of like, where do I stand Mm -hmm. and how can I help the people who are, uh, trying to save my friends? Yeah, you're right. We love Allison. I love Allison. She's so great. People are like, don't you think she's boring? I'm like, and? <laughs> so what? <laughs> she's great. She's great. She, Allison is like between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. And I think that she does the best that she can under those circumstances. I mean, later we completely disagree with what goes on. Yes. Because it's funny because we're like, she saved Isaac's life. And then you remember at the end of the season, she tries to kill Isaac. Yes. She. She stabs him. <laughs> has quite a wild journey through this season. Yes. But right now, we like her. We're simpatico to her yes. desires and thoughts. So, Scott. Oh, Scott. Scott is just like, last week when we were talking about control, Scott is still very much out of control. Mm-hmm. And things are happening all around him that he's not aware of. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because Scott has only ever known two other werewolves really mm-hmm. he knows Derek and he knows pretty much exactly what to expect from Derek and Peter who was crazy and uh, was is, is he shows back up yeah and he's crazy throughout he's crazy throughout but like for now the that particular threat is neutralized yeah but so to have um to discover that Isaac mm-hmm. is now a werewolf um I don't think Scott knows where to stand or what the power balance is now in Beacon Hills, that there are two werewolves, one, like two of them in a pack and then Scott by himself. Like it's hard to imagine what he must be thinking um, because Scott's natural inclination is to help Isaac. Mm -hmm. But also where does Isaac stand? Yeah. 
That's interesting. I think we're going to see more power gained by Scott throughout this season. I think right now it's hard to say whether or not he ha- does or doesn't have it, especially in this particular episode where he, he's kind of at Derek's mercy um, because Derek gives him the only option he has to help Isaac, mm-hmm. uh, but also knows that when he helps Isaac, Isaac will eventually go back to Derek and he will be othered from them again. Uh, and he also knows that he has Allison on his side, but she's still tethered to a force that ultimately wants to kill him. So he does, I think, find ways to level up throughout the season. But I think in this particular episode, he's kind of tied to both things. Yeah. So something um, that I think does give him a great deal of power that Derek has no idea what to do with is the fact that Scott in theory, doesn't have a pack. Mm-hmm. We know based on like later uh, seasons that he does, and it's his friends, um, but Scott is like pretty happily surviving as what Derek perceives to be as an Omega, mm-hmm. which shouldn't, like, the Omegas are the social outcasts or, you know, whatever you like, you're on your own, you're weaker that way, but Scott is always getting out of trouble. He's always solving problems. He doesn't have that kind of weakness that comes along with being an Omega. And so I think Scott's power in this episode and like throughout Teen Wolf is -hmm. the fact that he doesn't have to rely on Derek or on another alpha, um, like to preserve his own powers or to like protect the people around him. Because he is a true, He's a true alpha. alpha. Yeah, that's his power. And we don't know specifically that that's what it is at this point, but like the 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 seeds, like the crumbs are being dropped. Yes. We're following the a trail. Seeds. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Um we kind of only have a couple other characters to kind of wrap up. I mm-hmm. think we can just I mean, we can basically say like Lydia and Styles don't really have a lot of power in this episode. Specifically Lydia, because she is now a pariah in school because she doesn't have Jackson as a boyfriend and everyone mm-hmm. knows that she went crazy and ran naked in the woods for three days. So everyone's like, yikes. yikes. <laughs> There's a really awkward moment where she walks into school and everyone like stops and looks at her. And I don't know what your high school experience is like, but I That just doesn't that. happen. No. no. It doesn't happen because everyone is too busy thinking about themselves. Well, it'd be one thing if she walked into a classroom and everyone yes. stared at her, but in the hallway, like, you're going to be late. <laughs> you're not looking at anybody. It yeah. took me uh, It took me approximately nine minutes to get from my locker to my farthest class, always in high school, and we had seven minute passing time. So <laughs> no one is thinking about you in the hallway. I'm to think. I think we had like six minute passing time and they would like play music and then the music would stop. And once the music stopped, you knew you were going to be late for class. I would just roll in and be like, my locker's in the S building. And they'd be like, oh, you're fine. <laughs> because it, you literally don't have the time. We did not get music. It was, I remember during my senior was year. Was it like the Jeopardy theme? No, it was like, I think for one month, it was like September, in September, they would like play September. Oh, cute. It was very cute. Um... But then you'd hear it every day, and you were like, I'm done with this song now. I don't know who chose it. Probably Mr. Fernandez. James G. Fernandez. I don't know who that is. My, my principal. Uh, um, the worst man ever. Who would come into your class and be like, here's the pyramid of life. You have 70 good years until you die. <laughs> I don't know what his point was in telling us that, because I blocked it out because he gave the same speech every four years. but uh, Or no, every year for four years. High school is a weird time. High school is so weird. Everyone thinks they have like a say in how your life turns out. And it turns out not even you has a say in how your life turns out. Yeah. (laughs) It's wild. Anyway. Yeah. Lydia is powerless. She tries to kind of make amends with Jackson. And Jackson, who obviously has the power in that situation, is like, "Mm, no. Because he's a bitch. Jackson's Um, the the worst. I don't. He is not necessarily the absolute worst there are true worst people in the show but he on like a social high school level is unbearable yes um but at least he has kind of the like he's funny and he also has like the hot dude charm so there's enough that jackson does where you're like you're a compelling character to watch unlike matt who's just a creep Mm-hmm. Like, Jackson is a self-absorbed dickbag who doesn't do the right thing in calling the police when he sees Isaac being hurt, but he also doesn't stalk Allison. Yeah. Or kill anybody on purpose like Matt does. Yeah, not on purpose, but... No. 
There's some manslaughter going on. There is some manslaughter. Um, it's also like we can say like if if Jackson's experience of the Canima is like Ginny's experience in Chamber of Secrets where she's doing all this horrible stuff that could kill people, but it's completely out of her control. Like we don't blame Ginny for that. No. We shouldn't blame Jackson for it either. Not for murder time, no. No, we can blame him for but, being a dick. Yeah. And but I'm him sure being a you. dick and him killing people unwillingly is like completely They're very different things. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so Lydia has no power. Styles kind of has no power. He, again, he's basically just there to, like, make quips at, for Derek to, like, be the strong man in this situation over. Yes. Styles is like, oh, how are you going to distract the, the lady behind the desk? And Derek is like, by being hot. I'm, I'm literally just going to smile yeah. at her. And, she, and it works because he has a beautiful smile. He really, she, he does. And she just kind of looks at him and is like, oh. Hi. Hot dude charm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Although I am automatically suspicious of hot men talking to me, and so that would not work in that scenario. If I were behind the counter, I'd be like, what the hell? No, but she was really pretty, and I feel like hot people are like, well, I'm hot, he's hot. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So they don't have a lot of power. And then the last person who basically has no power, but is kind of a more interesting conversation piece, is Isaac. Mm, Yeah. Isaac is my favorite, one of my favorite characters, as everyone knows. Uh, has the most mismanaged storyline of pretty much anybody in the show. But the beginnings of it are very complicated and sad. They're really, really, like, deeply unsettling. Um, and even when Isaac isn't on screen, it is a big conversation about how little power he has in his life. Derek takes Scott to go, like, bear witness to the abuse that Isaac faced in his house. And at the very beginning of the episode, uh, he is powerless. And then in the middle of the episode, he's incarcerated. Yeah. Um, and he he literally has no idea what happened to his dad. So he... Not only does he have no idea what happened to his dad, but he was, like, wolfing out at the time. Um, or, like, going through whatever crazy thoughts of, like, oh, my God, my dad's going to kill me and, like, panicking. And I'm sure he doesn't remember what happened he doesn't know and so he can't defend himself and he can't say where he was he is at the mercy of the sheriff uh-huh i also don't necessarily think that he witnessed it i yeah. think we see his bike spinning in, in the alley and i think maybe he hopped a fence mm-hmm. he took off on foot and then comes back because he knows the car stopped realizes no one's following him again and then comes back to find the body he might not have any idea anyway regardless of memory yeah so he and so there's nothing that he can like protect himself, like he has no information to offer mm-hmm. to the sheriff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think the sheriff can say in any one way that Isaac killed his father because they'd probably find like claw marks and like clear indication that it was not a human that killed mm-hmm. him, and that you know, even if Isaac wasn't there, I think that the forensics can tell you that Isaac didn't kill his dad. Uh, but Isaac probably feels you know even though that. With his abuser, like, there's going to be a feeling of, like, this is my fault, and, like, his last remaining family member. It, you, I mean, even though you love the people, like... Uh, in a Stockholm Syndrome way. Yeah, like, because... You sympathize. You sympathize. And we don't know, like, when this abuse started. Like, I find out in season two, three... He says after his, he says, he makes point to say like it's something I'm after his mom died. Yeah. And so yeah. like he might've had a good relationship with his father prior to that. So like when you're being abused by someone like speaking from personal experience, like you, you want to love them and you want to be able to forgive what they're doing to you, even though like intellectually, you know that it's unforgivable. And so if something bad happens to them, like you feel awful about it. Yeah. Even though like your feelings of relief or whatever are totally justified. You still feel that sort of, it's the same thing with Kate, like Allison feeling upset that she lost Kate. Yeah. Because it's a loss to her, no matter how How evil Kate was. Yeah. And it's funny because we see Isaac kind of fall into similar patterns of his relationship with the people in his life. Like in season three, Derek throws a glass at him. Yeah. And kicks And that's how he ends up leaving that place too. And shows up on Scott's door. Which, by the way, Teen Wolf Wiki lists them as brothers, and my heart breaks. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure on, like, Melissa McCall's page, it's, like... Children. Ado- like, children. Adopted son, Isaac. Ugh. Ugh. 
devastating. So much. But yeah, I mean, Isaac is an interesting conversation point in terms of power because he wants it so desperately and has done something drastic to get it and still has none. And he mm-hmm. later gets more. And yeah. he especially wants the kind of, they turn into like the hot werewolves in school and they're all wearing leather for some reason. Does Derek give them the leather jackets? Is that like part of being inducted into their biker gang? You're a werewolf and also a T-bird. Yes, obviously. Yeah. Um, he does gain more power. He is, people at school seem to like him more. He now has friends. He's friends with uh, Erica and Boyd, who I think were way better friends with each other than ever with Isaac. But you know, they're there. Yeah. Um... So it's an interesting case study where Isaac has his, what he thought might be an immediate power increase is the long game. Mm-hmm. And this would be, he, there is literally no way in which he can, ex- it, the only time he exudes any new power is when he kills that dude who was going to kill him. Also yeah. kills him. I'm not sure if he kills him. Poor Isaac. Poor Isaac. I love Isaac. And Daniel Sharman, who is yeah. just taller than every other person on Teen Wolf. So when they do wide shots, it's like, look at that giant man. <laughs> Especially because, like, other people on this show are, like, 5'8". They're, like, average height. Like, 5'8", five, 5'10". Five, and then, yeah. like, uh, Tyler Hagelin's, like, six foot, So he's just, like, a little bit, he's, like, a little bit taller. And then Daniel Sharman's, like, 6'2". So you're like, wait a minute. You're like, hold on. <laughs> That's a large man. Whereas, like, if you see a man who's 6'2 on the street, you're probably not being like, whoa, he's so tall, because you know people that height. But in comparison to the fellow Teen Wolf act... See, this is why Robert Downey Jr. wears heels in all of his movies. Yes. There's this man that gets on the train at the Addison stop who, I swear to God, his head is, like, an inch from the the ceiling of the The train. He is so tall. And he never sits down, even if there are, like, seats available. And I think it's just because his knees would, like, be... Halfway through the aisle. <laughs> He's the tallest man I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot of very tall men. I know. Yeah. Have you met my brother? No. Oh, he's giant. <laughs> Everyone, my, I'm the shortest person in my family, which is saying a lot at how tall I am. Yeah. Can you stop shaking your ice in the mic? I don't mean to. Just, just don't put ice in your water thirsty. when we're recording. I needed a cold water. That's what the Brita filter is for. Why did I buy that thing? For you to clink your ice in the mics. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm thirsty. The water is there without the ice. It's true. Anywho. It could be better, but I'm not, so. Oh, well. I can't edit out your clinking. We had the world's longest siren at the beginning of this episode. I think that, like, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, but we can't control the sirens. The ice clinking is perfectly within our control. Well, I'm not clinking it on purpose. It just happens. No ice next episode. Fine. Anyway, let's move into our discussion on... No, let's move into our questions and observations section of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, where we can ask questions or make observations without anybody judging us. Because we don't understand the show because it doesn't make any sense. No, it really doesn't. What was the question that you were going to... Did you ask? I already it? asked. No, it. you asked it. Okay, yeah. I'm trying. I literally had a question as we were talking, and I was like, I should write that down, and then I didn't. Do you have questions? Kind of. Well, I asked whether or not Gerard knows, but then I also wanted to know how. Where do we think Chris is standing in all of this? Because we know Chris is not on the side of good yet. No. But how much information do we think that he is keeping from his family? He's certainly. I think Chris personally is keeping the fact that Scott is a werewolf from his father. Um, I, I'm not sure. I think that even there seems to be a great amount of mistrust with Gerard just kind of in general and not because of anything specific that he's done, but like that's kind of built into their relationship. And so I think that Chris probably is thinking long and hard about the things that he is disclosing and I don't think that Victoria knows everything either. So I don't know. I think Chris is playing a lot of it very close to the best. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's trying to figure out what side to be on, which is kind of shitty on his part. Like, he already knows what the side of good is in this situation, and it's not his father. Well, I think he knows that his dad might not be right, but I think it is hard to unlearn generations yes. of hate. But I... He's had a lot of time to think about it. And my hope is that 
But we've only disrupted his way of thinking for a grand scheme a couple of weeks. True. True. Um, and I think that, I mean, he does have, I think, one of the better redemption arcs in Teen mm-hmm. Wolf. We do really side with Chris, um, and he becomes one of our greatest assets, like one of the pack's greatest assets. Yeah. Um, especially in season three, and then later when he comes back. So I, I don't forgive him for his way of thinking, but I do have patience for him to come around. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Did you think of your question? No. Do you want to just make one up? <laughs> um. Yeah. So no. <laughs> so no. I'm, I'm like very blank. I feel like I've thought about a lot of questions in this episode. Because a lot of questions I had were answered, answered by, the by the episode. So like, you know, can they hold Isaac? Well... Styles gave us an answer. I'm not sure if that's like real because as we've discussed previously, no one on Teen Wolf who writes for Teen Wolf ever did any research at all about the law. But the, the thing law. is, neither have we. <laughs> so we can't answer definitively uh, yes or no. Um, I think I, I don't know that I have questions. Um, do you have observations you want to share? Moment. Yeah. Yeah, I have two. Okay, go ahead. So um, when Mr. Leahy is murdered... Yeah. Um, the scene where it's raining and they're like in the alleyway and he gets approached by the cannibal and then eaten. Um, that is so very Highlander. It looks almost exactly like a particular scene from Highlander. Um, except that there's, it's a sword fight. So it's not as like grody. Um, can you call copyright infringement on your own damn work? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think Russell Mulcahy was like, yes. Maybe he's just being lazy. He's like, ugh, I'm not going to think too hard about this. We'll just do some repeats. Possibly. Um, but I also, like, I can't unsee uh, Highlander, and I can't unhear, like, oh, he uses rain and everything, and I'm just like, ding dong. <laughs> that's that's his thing. Um, and then also another movie parallel to make, um, Jackson, when he's, like, getting ready for bed and getting ready to, like, be filmed in low light all night long. Um, he's like doing all these mirror poses and flexing and it's so American psycho mm-hmm. that, oh man, it's just, it's so accurate to like the scene where he's like fucking that girl and like looking at looking himself in the mirror. In the mirror. mirror. Yeah. yeah. Or even just the beginning scene where he's doing, where he's working out and doing his skin routine. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that Jackson has quite a bit in common. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even maybe right down to the murdering. Yes. The gruesome killing of people. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like... Big, big Patrick Bateman energy. <laughs> I, I love American Psycho. Oh, I do too. Um, yeah, but Overinvested, our favorite podcast, has a really great episode on, episode American, on American Psycho. Um, How often do we mention the Overinvested podcast? Far too often. Given... Gavia, Morgan, we love you. <laughs> we, we really do. Um, yeah... You had a really interesting observation about um, the way that the certain scenes were filmed in the basement that I wanted you to talk about. Oh, yeah. Tonally, I think this episode missed the mark. There it's was, all over the place. It is, yes. So I do want to just make a quick observation. Like, there is not a lot in this episode that uh, flows naturally. And it's a lot of, like, it, it does kind of the Marvel quip thing where you're talking about something really serious and then somebody makes, like, a ha-ha a joke and you're like oh my god, you didn't even give that other really sad thing time to land or like have mm-hmm. us experience it. And I don't think we should wallow in, you know, sadness or anything in this show or else it'd be unwatchable. But um, it's really interesting to me that in the basement when Derek is showing Scott the fridge that Isaac gets locked in by his dad, it's filmed like a horror movie. It's like all like flashlights and eerie music and weird camera angles from like down below. And it like mm-hmm. it's supposed to build suspense, but... All we're going to be seeing is that fridge. And then later, Allison and Scott have this really kind of weird, sad, sentimental moment where Allison's going to lock him in the fridge before he, turn, before he turns from the full moon. And it's all like very sappy and like, I just, are you sure about me locking you in here, buddy, blah, blah, blah. And those moments should have switched in tone. Yeah. It should have been scary for her to have to lock Scott in there because he, she's transforming you know even though he has her there like who's to say whether or not he will act on his you know werewolf instincts like it should be like very 
like um, excited pace wise. And uh, it should be really, it should be a scary premise to find out that how far the abuse went in the Leahy home. But I think it should be um, paid a little bit more, like a, a stronger moment of like sincerity. Mm-hmm. I think Scott should be far more um, unsettled by that than he is because they turn it into like this. <gasps> gotcha scary thing and it's yeah. i think and this isn't my only problem with tone in this episode there's a bunch of things where like stuff isn't landing it's like joke after something really sad and upsetting happened joke yeah sad and upsetting it, yeah it, it did not flow well everything felt very incongruous well and especially because i think part of that scene like we do need to know exactly what the horrors that isaac has been through we need to know what those were but i think part of derek's motivation in showing scott that is like look at the good thing that i did in giving this kid power because look at what his dad did to him Mm -hmm. that's like it's not a redemption moment for Derek, but it's like him trying to show scott why he did a certain thing and so if it were more emotional i Mm -hmm. think that you'd have a little bit more sympathy for what Derek Derek is doing also not even to say like i saved him but to say i didn't trick isaac into making this choice yeah yeah. Isaac had to make this choice because it was his only option. Mm-hmm. Um, and by not doing that, we're just kind of like, uh, okay, I'm missing what's happening right here. That's really sad, but um, what? Yeah. Yeah. And then conversely, like when uh, Allison's locking Scott in the closet, she goes upstairs to find the canema in one of the best jump scares, I think, in Teen Wolf. Oh, so good. When it flashes onto the canema's eyes. There's nowhere near enough light to actually make that happen, but it is super effective. Mm-hmm. Um because it's not like werewolf eyes. They're just like these two lizard pinpricks. And yeah. it is terrifying. Yes. Um, Very scary. So yeah, I just, I agree with you that tonally it's, it's all, I thought that was really interesting when you brought that up yesterday. Um, that's kind of all I have for observations. Do you want to move into pack stats? I do want to move into pack stats. And we also have a new little addition, uh, corner comments from listeners we do yeah. yeah um so before we get into that um pack stats are pretty brief today but i do want to say that we were 20 minutes into the episode and we have five glow eyes yeah um seven overall but they really ham it up mm-hmm. this season um one clause there were a couple of claws that kind of like show up but not the like little chick, like a switchblade the switchblade flick yeah yeah um no shirts off shockingly if we missed one let us know this is not the episode to be naked actually no, no we did Jackson his shirts off the whole time he's posing in the mirror. We just talked about his American Psycho. That's moment. true. Sorry, one shirt off. One shirt off. Um, and then there was one ad. Um, Derek's Batmobile car, the Chevy. It's a Chevy. Yeah, American made. Props to Teen Wolf for the American made. <laughs> yeah. Um. So last week, uh, during our questions and observations section, we were asking about um kind of why Gerard is allowed to come in and make all of these um pro pronouncements and decisions despite the fact that we've been told that the Argent family is a matriarchal society and the women hold all the power essentially. And um, Dunzi Nogram on Instagram. Um, if we did not pronounce that right, please, please tell us. Tell us and, and I apologize. Um, had uh, some thoughts about it that were actually very helpful and um, we really enjoyed reading them. And she said to us, um, Chris explains that the family realizes the war scare was started by men, so their girls are raised to lead and the boys to be soldiers. My interpretation of the difference with Gerard is Gerard is older and more experienced as head of the family, and Victoria presumably married into the whole system when she married Chris. Um, Gerard is exactly the kind of fascist that can preach an ideal while believing themselves to be above it and acting accordingly as long as he has enough support or secrecy to do so. Which is on the nose. That is right. (laughs) Perfect. Um, yeah, we, we're going to talk a lot about fascism in Teen Wolf. We are. Um, eventually. In this season, season six in particular. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, and I think that really gets to the point of us hating Gerard is that mm-hmm. like historical fascists had some kind of like likable quality that allowed them to be, to have all this power over people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gerard has none of that. No. Or acted enough on, like, the problems of their people to kind of prove that he could solve them. Yes. Uh, but I don't know what he's, how Gerard, you know, manages that. It's revenge. Plus, living in this hellscape of America. <laughs> any mention of fascism in my heart races because I get so angry. <laughs> yes. 
Um, um, so that's our, our listener comment section. If you have thoughts about questions that we bring up or observations or things that you noticed in the episode that we missed, um, we would love to hear about them and we'll share them. Uh, because yeah. if you want us to share them, we obviously yes. won't if you don't want us to, yeah, we'll but check, you can DM but... us or just, mm-hmm. yeah, DM us on Twitter or Instagram, um, or even Tumblr, I guess. And we'll get back mm-hmm. to you if I ever check the Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, do you want to give us your alpha of the week? Hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm going to say Oh, I want to say it's Allison. Mine was Allison. And mine was Allison's last week too. But I, again, when we were talking about her taking agency, um, in this episode, like this is a first real step towards like actively defying her family, which she does in season one, but this is very much more like hands-on mm-hmm. boots on the ground kind of thing. And, um, she does it not just because she loves Scott, but because she knows it's the right thing to do. You know, it's interesting. In season one, she gives Kate that speech about how she doesn't want to be scared anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see she's done this... She's done a full 180. When she sees the Kanama and grabs the knife and screams, come on, she yeah. is so ready to kill that thing with her bare hands. And honestly, mm-hmm. if she had gotten the chance, she might have done it because nobody can underestimate the fury of a woman. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is that is the whole thing about Allison, and I think that's why people um, who watch the show are kind of like, oh, Allison's boring. It's because you completely underestimate her. Yes, you do. And, and you, I mean, that also includes underestimating her capacity for evil, because yes. we get there later in this season. But right now, playing the double agent is kind of the most impressive thing anybody does in this episode, because yes. both sides could kill her. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she puts herself in incredible danger. Yeah. Without thinking, like, and... There's never a moment where she yeah. pauses and is like, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. No. She just does it. And she puts herself in, cre- in incredible danger for not only Scott, who she loves, but for a stranger. Mm-hmm. I mean... Because she knows it's the right thing to do. Because she knows the right thing to do. Because she... I mean, she doesn't kill the person who's going to go kill Isaac, but she intervenes because she knows that that's... She can't be the person who allows that to happen. Yes. Um, unlike Jackson, who's free to let Isaac just... He can choke. Yeah. <laughs> is essentially what Jackson sure is saying. <laughs> All right. I think that about wraps up this episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, we hope that you guys leave us a review on iTunes. Um, if you would like to follow us on Twitter for any podcast news, our Twitter is at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. Um, that's also our Instagram handle. Our Tumblr is just Teen Wolf Rewolf. You can follow us there as well. Uh, from any of those places, you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams, should you be so inclined. And other than that, we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. We sure do. Bye. Bye.